Well, in re and so if you were a Soviet soldier or a Russian soldier in the city, you thought you're about to lose and the, the Germans mm -hmm. were about to win. In reality, the Soviets had amassed a million man army around the Germans and that same day launched, um, I think it was Operation Uranus and they did a pincer move and completely cut the Germans off and then they were surrounded within the city. And so I, I use that analogy to say, you know, the, the appearance may be that your enemy is strong, but if they're giving it everything you've got, what, what you may not know is they've got third string and fourth, you know, fourth rate troops protecting their supply lines, whatever, in the case of the mainstream media, they are on their financial last legs. They're, they're, they're running out of air and they're giving it everything they got. It kind of like with the Soviet Union in the 80s. Like we thought it, everything was ramping up. No. Yeah, we thought, we thought they were never going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I remember asking my dad when he was a kid saying, you know, did you guys, what did you guys think about the Cold War in like 88? And it was only when the Berlin Wall fell that they started to realize like that was symbolic saying something's going on and this is the beginning of some, the end mm -hmm. of some kind. So I, I think that people think things are going to get worse or whatever. I, I don't know. I think that things could change very rapidly. If, if the right circumstances, you know, and that's maybe the, the optimist to me. Now, the pessimist to me will think, no, it'll go on for another 20 years. Mm. But I, I just don't even one. I don't think journalism even exists anymore. You might have. And that's why that's why I highlighted this piece from the Wall Street Journal, because it was an actual bit of journalism. They discovered something that I'll, I'll wait till the rest of the crew gets online. Yeah. Uh, and they throw it behind a paywall. I'm like, OK, you had to pay this guy. He had to go and do some investigative work. And then he found out something and advanced society uh, right. as well. This is some true fourth branch of government type of protection. But you take out the Wall Street Journal. I mean, even my favorite, former favorite publication, The, the Economist, even that has gone the way of yellow, yellow journalism and a political agenda and become basically a British version of NPR. And so when when you've basically just abandoned any pretext or assumption of journalism, and now I get a huge kick out of baby boomer journalists who are complaining that there aren't any jobs while they're still working at a freaking physical paper. <laughs> they still try to sell the, <laughs> we got, we got the, um, well, you probably know this cause you are in the industry, but we got the Star Tribune and the Pioneer Press, and they still are like, hey, would you like to get the paper subscriptions? What don't you understand about how horse and buggy you are right now? Why do I need this? <laughs> well, you know, that, it's it's almost like – hours late. Well, it's sort of like the, – the analogy I give is that it is like the candle industry. And <clears throat> if, you, if somebody is clever and they're smart, what they can do is, for example, even though there are light bulbs and have been for over 100 years – there are still people buying candles and they're paying a lot of money for candles because can't, but the purpose of those candles are not to light your house anymore as a utility it is there to make your house smell good it is there to give a certain ambiance or, or whatever. So if you want to do the same thing with newspapers, you can do it. You just have to think through and be different. Um, now, so this is where Forney comes in. If, if, if and it's not even journalism; it's short stories. He's he's kind of seen a change in the lay of the right. land, and he's come up with a whole new product. Right, right. I think uh, Matt has really tapped into a a market that has not been catered to uh, at all. And I think that he has he he knows the audience that he's looking for, and he's found it. And it's great to have that success because as a writer, I now know that if I go write something um, and it's well written. 
they're likely to publish it because it's going to be catering to the same type of audience, the same age group and the same type of people with, with the way that we're thinking. And also the fact that traditional publishers or whatever online magazines are not going to publish this stuff because it's not what they're looking for. So, so I'm kind of confused. Help me out. On one hand, you got the dying baby boomer journalist who went to J school back in the fifties and sixties complaining because no one wants to buy the paper, but now the publishers are, are we talking book publishers that, uh, yeah, I think that we're, that the, I think one of the problems is also people have so many choices. This is the same problem with the football thing. Um, with the like the whole anthem controversy, people were thinking, oh, they they've got to, they've got they have to watch us engage in political activism because we're the only game in town. No, there are countless other things that people can do. There are hundreds of channels people can watch. They do not have you have to compete much much more fiercely for someone's attention nowadays than if you did say a hundred years ago, because there was only so many options for entertainment. This is why books could be a thousand pages back in the day. And they could spend 30 pages talking about the description of the house that the guy lives in, because you got nothing else going on. um, If you live in a small town or you live in an area where you you know, you you can't, you got to go dry. You got to go take a horse into town five miles just to get groceries. I mean, that's where newspapers, you started getting money for advertising because people needed to have the weekly advertising so that they knew how much money they would need to bring into town for the groceries. Cause the, so the groceries uh, stores were the ones that were putting out the ads in the newspapers about how much their products cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, we have a very outdated model and I think that people need to, I, I just don't know what the, the model can be because on the one hand you want it to be where people are funding you know, the, the customer is the reader, but the problem is then you get into the situation like what we see with very popular people where they feel pressured to tone down their message in order to continue catering to that audience, um, people being a little fickle. So I, that kind of brings up a debate that somebody once mentioned how back in classical times, artists were not really, didn't really cater to the popular person. They catered to their patron who was this aristocrat or very wealthy person. And they gave them a farm um, to live off of. And then they could concentrate on their art, whether it was poetry or whether it was theater or whatever. And so they said that there was actually some benefit to the, to having patrons of the arts because then a person's not worried about uh, catering or pandering to the lowest common denominator in order to make their work popular. Um, so I don't know. I think that there's some sort of a balance. I, it's it's. I think it's a legitimate debate to have. I I guess that's the, what I would say. It it's not like one side is right and one side is wrong, um, because on the one hand you had what's his name, um, the guy who wrote uh, the Princess from Mars and Tarzan and all that. I ha- was just Edgar something Rice. Oh, Edgar I, Rice yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, but he was this guy working at like a pencil pencil factory and he was reading the books back in the day and thought they were awful and he thought he could do better and he had no idea how to write so he just started writing this book called princess from mars and he was he was terrified that people would find out that he wrote it and they wouldn't respect him well it turned out to be a massively popular book and he turned out to be this very successful author wrote hundreds of books and and he was not trained and it was very popular with people and everybody knows who tarzan is today um, they, which a guy who never went to Africa, I don't think he ever left America, but he was able to come up with all this great stuff. So on one hand, you got guys like that who are able to successfully create great art by, by pandering to the public. But then there's some art that's, that is good. It's just not going to be very popular. Hmm. 
Well, I'm trying to figure out if journalism even has a future, because I think the Wall Street Journal and for the small and decreasing percentage of people that actually care about good journalism and, hey, let's expose corruption, let's keep government honest, uh, they, I think, would subscribe. And I could see them buying a newspaper, sitting down, having their morning coffee with that. But what I see out there now, uh, it's, it's not journalism. It's I mean, people are journaling. Uh, yeah. But there's no investigative reporting. There's no exposure. And and the the journalism industry, J School, is just so horrendously biased to the left. They right. can't. They just can't. I guess the closest you see, you can get is like, OK, well, the, the Republicans have their team in Fox News and the socialists have their team with uh, with uh, CNN and NPR. And I guess somewhere in between both of them is, is the honesty. But I, I, no one wants to consume that. Nobody. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think that we're going to need to see, like with the video game industry, if, if we want to use that analogy, back in the um, early 80s, you had all these different consoles, the, a, a market saturation, and there was a lot of low-grade video games being churned out by these third-party um, companies. And then you had E.T. come out, which ended up all, most of them getting dumped in the landfill in New Mexico. And then finally, you had the great video game crash in 1983, where most of the video game companies went bankrupt. I think Atari barely managed to survive. But this is when Nintendo walked in and they they learned from the mistakes. And since then, there has been no video game crash in the market ever since. I think that they the lessons were learned. And so I think maybe if the same thing happened with journalism, you know. Um, in fact, the, the video game crash is a classic example of how if you just let the free market deal with stuff, people, the companies will figure it out on their own because they have an incentive to figure it out on their own. Imagine if the government had bailed out the video game industry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we would still have, they, they would have learned none of their lessons. Um, so like we, we saw with the, um, everything that went on during the, the housing crisis and the, the financial meltdown in the 2007, 2008, there was no lesson to be learned because you, if you make a huge colossal national catastrophe, you get money from taxpayers. Like why? Yeah. Why would you not want to screw up? <laughs> no, and that. But with when it comes to video games, I'll give you the key difference between video games versus banking and journalism. Uh, the people in video games are smart. Those are engineers, programmers, and they were also back, especially in the late seventies and early eighties. They were cutting edge. Like they're like, oh hey, we can do all this stuff, and they were the true pioneers. So they right. were. I mean, you didn't even have computer programming uh, degrees back then. So these guys were way intelligent. Compared to journalism, I don't think they'll learn. They, the, the industry can go belly up, and it pretty much has. I mean, is the Seattle Intelligencer still around, or is it consolidated? It's, it's online only, and it's, I think, very limited in what it does. And I think that that's what's going to end up happening, is you'll have subscribers who are willing to actually pay for an online subscription to the newspaper. But I... I I don't know. I think what's going to have to change is is just the funding model where you you say where where people say I want to read about this news and I want it to be done in a professional manner and I'm willing to pay this amount of money to ensure that this person uh, who spends it I think people need to understand how much work it can sometimes take to get the facts and and actually produce a story that's uh, thorough and is accurate and I don't know. I think I, one legitimate thing I think is worth noting as far as journalism criticizing the public is their expectations are yay high and their willingness to pay for it is zero. So imagine you went to Starbucks and you expected to get a free cup of coffee. 
and you got a free cup of coffee and it was awful and you go, well, this is an awful cup of coffee. Like I what used to be a reporter in a town that was, it was completely free for the newspaper and the advertisers paid for everything. And people would get really angry that we weren't covering all these different stories that were going on. And I was just thinking, you get what you pay for and you don't pay. So the, the, there's almost a sense of entitlement. People look at their newspapers. I'm not saying everybody, but there is a, I think maybe it's among older people. Um, this tendency to view the newspaper as almost a, a utility, like my water's running, my electricity's on, my newspaper's not going off. I need to call up the city council and the city and tell them to get my newspaper. You know, it's almost like this holistic, it's a weird view. I mean, it would be interesting to ask people, you know, how much do you think you should pay for news that you want? And if the answer is zero, I, I don't know. I, I, it's that that's where almost the, the free market's answering itself. Yeah. And then no one really is going into being a journalist. I mean, there are some, but now it's, I always, I don't know if we got to come up with a term or a phrase of it, but I well, love it. I think, I think that there's different kinds of journalism and then the real tragedy, I think is a legitimate tragedy because there is, genuine journalism work to be done it's just not um not the focus of uh like what they go through and what they're taught in their worldview precludes these these stories but i'm not even um mainstream media occasionally will do a good story on something that's going on they just will ignore other good stories that are going on that don't conform to the narrative right but i'm saying that and the most of the people that are consuming that I would say fall into the news junkie area where yeah. again, they fall on team A, team B. And well, those are Fox news people. Screw them. Those are CNN people. And those are NPR. Really fuck those guys. Um, <clears throat> I think it's for but, people wanting to get their emotional high. They want to experience outrage, anger, and then they want to hear somebody, you know, own somebody, pounce them about, you know, all this. Almost it's like WWE wrestling. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> almost like news. It's almost like news for, news version of WWF Smackdown or something like that. Right. Right. And then what, where the majority of journalism majors or people who quote, want to be journalists, they're, they're now off on their special niche where they have a website or a blog, or they go work. The the model I was going to bring up is where they work for free for prestige, but then they have a trust fund or a rich father or a rich husband. And they're like, and I wrote about like XO Jane, um, uh, or what's the other ones out there where they all live it. They, they live in the sex in the city lifestyle, but you know, they ain't making the rent. And so it truly is a hobby and you can't even call them journalists, especially if you're writing, you know, soft pieces about whatever the latest uh, feminist indoctrination or shoes or cats or something like that. So, right. I, so your mainstream media, that's always been co-opted. And now it's just, a, I mean, to work in CN and what? you got to be connected or know somebody, right? you got to be top of your game, right? Right. Oh, well. Well, DT is in the house. DT, are you there? Can you hear me? We can, yeah. yeah. All right. It's working. <laughs> For now. It's Windows 10, isn't it? Let me check my task manager. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. For, for now it, yeah, it updated it updated when i wasn't looking it updated so yeah. apparently it didn't wreck it this time wow. i um i had a horrible week and a half uh and it all started you ever have like one of those days and it's not one of those days but one thing goes bad and it just causes a domino effect that ruins all these other things. You ever have one of those where it's like, if I just didn't get up this morning, this one bad thing wouldn't happen. 
and then nothing else bad would have happened. I would have been way ahead of, of my skills if I just stayed in bed. Like the butterfly effect. Kind of, yeah, yeah. But it almost makes you believe there is a God because it's so statistically impossible. All these bad things are happening to you. You know it has to be on purpose. So, yeah, yeah, you do. When something bad happens, you go backwards in time and you go, well, if I didn't do that or if I didn't do that or if I didn't do that, things would have t- turned out differently. I think that happens on big life decisions too. That's the stuff that you really regret. But I think you're talking about, oh, if I just didn't, you know, if I had slept in an hour later, I wouldn't have come across this thing. Is that what no, you're No, this about? was, yeah, yeah, along the same lines. This was, had I not always done this con- constant improvement thing. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's a life thing. That's a big, that's, that's a big a thing. thing. I won't lie. It's it's in part why I'm, I have the success that I do. But um, everybody was hammering and hankering for an upgraded um, camcorder. And I knew I was way overdue. Well, that then set me forth down the path where my camera, not my camera, my computers are so old that essentially I'd have to upgrade my computers. And I get my buddy who's an IT guy. We look at the specs. He's like, yeah, this should be able to handle it. Like, yeah, it can handle it. But for every minute of video, it's going to take four minutes to save. I don't have that time. What do you got for a graphics card? Throw in this graphics card. That graphic car- graphics card screws up the rest of the computer. Now I got to get one with a higher CPU and more RAM. And Dominoes. It's dominoes. Dominoes. Yeah. Dominoes. And then my basement flooded. Uh, not a lot, just more of a wet basement. We couldn't find the, the thing, so I'm pulling up carpet. And then there was, a, oh, the chain, chainsaw. The lawnmower needed a new throttle cable. And, well, there's uh, definitely d- days like that where things, if something is going to go wrong, it goes wrong. And in that time period where you're already stressed and you're already like, off. yeah, you're just like, I can't take anymore. And then something else will go wrong. Yeah. Yep. I, no, I'm sure it, everybody's experienced that, but that, definitely people who fix their own shit, they definitely experience it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'll, I'll tell you a lesson. Let me tell you a lesson. And TJ, you're the young in here, uh, but uh, this is, this is wisdom. I'm not shopping at physical stores anymore, unless I absolutely have to. I'm done with them. Because you would think throttle cable for a lawnmower. Okay, DT, where would you go to get a throttle cable for a lawnmower? For a they, lawnmower? They first, uh, first hardware store, northern tool and equipment. Okay. Uh, yeah. What's the number one hardware store that comes to your mind? Well, I mean, my favorite's Menards, but okay. Home Depot probably too. All right, and let's say there was one that's a little bit closer. The local, the local Ace. hardware, Ace, Ace or, or True hardware, Value. Yeah, or Hardware Hank or something. Yeah. Hardware, right, right. Is Coast to Coast a hardware? Or was that something else? I don't that's know. going way back. Anyway, so I go to True Value Hardware, right? Hardware. Yep. You think this is where it's going to be? They have a repair shop in the back. So I go in there with my cable. I got just a cable. It's got two little um, Z hooks on the end. And I'm thinking like, okay, I measured it. It's 72 inches. I say, I need two ZN cables. I can even pinch them off myself. Can you cut me about this much length of cable? Like, oh, we don't service small engines here anymore. (laughs) I'm like, what? you guys are, you're true value hardware. This is like. (laughs) What what do they fix? Boeing 747s? (laughs) And so I'm just like. We don't do small stuff here. (laughs) Well, and. Already I knew this was the way that the day was going to go. So I thought, I thought, you know how you win these days, DT? You know, when everything's going bad, you know how you win them? Uh, I would say press the accelerator down, but it's either that or 
the brake. Yeah. <laughs> it's either well, full-on brake or full-on accelerator. <laughs> right. So I'm going full-on throttle. Like, I am not – we are getting this stuff done. Exactly. The captain is not – so to save time but not money, but to save time, I'm like, okay, where do I go? They say you got to go down uh, to this other – Curtin's home and garden thing, and they got so I go down there. I have my cable now. Already, Curtains. already two two trips now. You know how valuable time is to me. Uh huh. So I'm at two trips, and I go in and I'm like, "Hi, I need a, a cable, seventy two inches Z ends on both." It's like, "Oh, well, what kind of lawnmower is it for?" I'm like, oh, "Does it matter?" I, I don't know. Do you, do you don't you just cut cable? <laughs> So like, no, we need to know the lawnmower. So now I'm like, old captain's got to drive all the way back, get a no, picture. No, really? Oh, yes, because no, no, nobody was home. No one was home. No one in my town was home. So I had to drive all the way back, <laughs> take a picture of the fucking lawnmower. And I was about to go back to it. But I sensed the zen and how life wanted to screw me over that day. Yeah. And what I so realized. You called, you called, right? You called? I was going to call. I was going to call because it would have been another round trip, 40 minutes. Right. And that's just round trip. I said, you know what? I'm going to borrow my neighbor's lawnmower <laughs> and I'm going to order this online because I have not had bad experiences with stuff online. I'm now going back to this place a third time. I've wasted an hour, 20 of my minutes. Uh, if And if I keep shopping in person going from place to place to place well all these physical stores like, oh we don't care that anymore oh we don't have that oh it's at our other store oh run over here it's like one of those um 90s role-playing games where you got to go get the magic duck so that you could trade it in for the wizard who will go get you the magic rock that you can go in and trade it with the warlock and she'll get you the magic stone and then inevitably you can make the magic fucking sword like legend of zelda almost yeah <laughs> So I'm traipsing all over this like it's a fucking RPG. These fuckers should at least be able to order it for you. I mean, what? A, this is why Bezos is the richest man in the world, right? This story that you're telling right now is why, I mean, Bezos is listening. He's coming in his pants. Oh, he's never going to go to a brick and mortar store ever again. <laughs> you know, I mean, Aaron, He's probably saying it's the Aaron Cleary saying this. I'm set. I'm golden. I don't have to worry ever again. <laughs> right, right. As if his $100 billion didn't already. Yeah. That but that's, I mean, how come they can't, I mean, when I've come across a situation like this, they'll at least say, well, we don't have it here, but we can order it for you and send it to your house for free. You know, and they'll do something like that. But that's, you're already missing my point. Right. By the time I'm done traveling around, if I just order it all online and it's mailed to me, I save that time. Yeah, absolutely. I save that time. And okay, fine. It costs me a little bit more. Maybe it's, it's on par, but I I'm not 21 anymore starving. Time is much more important to me than money right now because I just don't have that many expenses. And so it's worth to me paying an extra five or ten dollars. Because here's the other thing: when you factor in gas and playing the dick around, fuck around, find the cable and Legend of Zelda game for your magic lawnmower, all right, you waste more in gas than you would actually any kind of savings that you would if you got the actual throttle at the local shop. Well, if that first store had just helped you, you know, you went there thinking it was going to be there so you could just get it done that day. And right. if that first store said, we don't have it in stock, we can order it for you and it'll be there in two days. How would you have responded? Would you have said, no, I got to push it to the accelerator, go to the next store? Or right. would you have said, I, I would have gone to the next store because okay. I wanted to get it done that day. Yeah. 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 And all I did was 
redlined the engine and every all the wheels fell off. They all fell. It got so right. bad I ended up going like on a four day bender. So, yeah, see, uh, I was gonna ask you. See, your Facebook was down, right? So I sent you a PM today. Mm-hmm. I listened to your last podcast and I said, he's either drunk or he's got a brain tumor. So this last <laughs> this last podcast where is that what you're talking about? You went on a bender? <laughs> yeah, I was. Although I wasn't like I wasn't. You were a bold. little. I could tell. I could tell. Yeah, I had a couple in me. And, you weren't um, as quick. Your speech wasn't as quick. No, was I was very tired. Well, I was, dude, I was also tired. That was okay. Another thing. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> it was it was like sleeping in a moldy basement. You know, fighting it with that uh-huh. that, that decontaminant spray and bleach. And then the other thing with. You know, because everyone gets a little water in their basement. That happens from time to time. This water wasn't going away. It's yeah. like it, it's coming up out of the ground, not coming from rain or anything like that. Um, that yeah, no, it was it was that bad where I'm like, that's it, I'm done. I I don't care anymore. And um, had some fun, uh, but we're not <laughs> we're not going to be doing that for quite some time ever again. <laughs> the old captain will just. Um, you're in a really good mood when I saw you last. <laughs> fantastic mood. You said I got this new camera, and it's great. Yeah, and all yeah, but I didn't know. That was that was just like what the first date or something, and then you realized what the commit what commitment was going to be, right. and and it I'd all have to, went downhill. And it all went downhill. Yeah, and that's not even what else. Oh, there's like a bee infestation. I got carpenter bees. Ooh. And now I got I got to look that up. So I had to buy dry own and a and a sprayer. There's another forty bucks gone. But I bought it through Amazon this time. I wasn't going to go down to the to the B Assassin store in the Legend <laughs> of Zelda game. Uh, I just ordered that online. But yeah, just it, it's one of those weeks where it wasn't going to end. And I'm like, that's it. I need to take four days off. And um, and I did, but I don't think I actually rested. I think I just. Just had a hangover yesterday. That was well, about you sound it. better now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's not a tumor. No, it's not a tumor. <laughs> no. No, it is not. So anyway, what's the latest up there, DT? Everything's well in the world of DT land? Yeah, everything's fine. Yep. Got the, you know, like uh, we talked about last week. Um, the rays came through and the extra vacation came through. And now it's time to, to earn my money, I guess. And... Um, so that's all good, and yeah, everything's did fine. Did you ever leave, or did you? No, I didn't have to. Oh, they, okay. they got it all. They actually got it all done before what technically was my two weeks last day. So mm. good. But once well, they know, said that they were going to get it done, I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't say, oh, okay, I withdraw my two weeks. Then I just said, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So it still kept the. I guess the accelerator was down <laughs> to <Yeah>. the floor. <laughs> you know, when when you get an offer on the table. What? When you get an offer on the table. Right, exactly. Yep. yep. No, I was I also, ready. If it didn't come through, I was ready to just bolt, you know, immediately. But but I it also, did, so I also call it the Ava Mendez first date principle. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. You TJ, do you know when you're on a date with Ava Mendez? Uh no. It's it's when you're on the actual date with Ava Mendez. That's how you know you'll be on a date with her. I, I figured. Yeah. Good good to know. I'm giving you guys pearls of wisdom. Public service announcement by Cappy. (laughs) It's not happening until it's happening. (laughs) Anything's going to happen. It's going to happen out there. You know, you know, (laughs) you know, when you make your money, I got it that time. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what was that? 
That was the Captain Ron quote. Oh. Because <laughs> that's my avatar. What was that horrible damn one? Big Trouble in Little China. That other oh, oh, that's that's awesome. that one. It was, a, it was a stupid, fun movie. I remember watching that. And yeah, thinking, this is the dumbest thing, but it's kind of fun because it's Kurt Russell. See, I call I call Aaron the Jack Burton of the Manosphere. I don't know <laughs> if you agree with that teacher or not, but I've told it to Aaron before, so that's okay. Let me tell you something more. Well, you misled me because you're like, hey, you want to come over and watch this movie? It's got Kurt Russell. I'm like, oh, Kurt Russell's pretty cool. Yeah, it's Big Trouble in North China, big uh, big cult movie, and kind of reminds you of me of you. He's like this cool guy, he rides the truck. He's like, ah, if you ever, ever listen to old Jack, and I don't know. I'm like, yeah, let's watch it. was ass. Ass of a movie. <laughs> it's awesome. Speaking of speaking of films, Cappy, uh, have you seen Doctor Strange Love yet? <laughs> no, no I did you not listen to the first fifteen minutes of this damn show? I've been no playing time for that. You said you took four days off. You're telling yeah, me in four days to, you to, <laughs> Well, basically, I did, I did some work. I played up with Asshole Consulting. I watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I watched Midnight Run. Oh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a great film. Right, right. I watched uh, Night and Day. Uh, not a terribly popular one, but it's very charming and funny. Now, what else? I spent a bunch of time with my nieces. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was busy, relaxing, having fun. But no, I did not get to watching Doctor Strange Love. Okay, well, you need to watch it, and then you can talk about it on your podcast. I, okay, should he watch right. it drunk? I don't know. I don't no, know maybe, no, old cat. Well, if, if you are, you're gonna have to do it with uh, grain alcohol, like grain vodka. It's an inside joke if you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I've only <laughs> seen it all one time. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the old captain. Well, you were right, D- uh, DT. I was like, last time you saw me, was, we were watching that baseball game. Everything was great. Everything was wonderful. It was in a great yeah. mood. Yeah. And then when I w- went out with TJ, yeah, I hadn't had a drink in like, gosh, two, three months or something like that when I was up in uh, the Cascades there, TJ. Oh, but wow. Then, my, man, life just comes in sometimes, and it just bashes your head, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and I can go back to, like, when I was younger. I'm like, well, I can't afford booze, and you don't need booze, and da-da-da. And then it's like, oh, now I know why booze existed, because all your problems <laughs> go away temporarily <laughs> as far as you're concerned. It reminds me of that scene from the, the, the Red Dawn, the 1984, the actual good version, where uh, the colonel – uh, Tanner, whatever his name is, he's planning an attack on this Russian POW camp. And he's like, there's a flank. We're going to do this defilade and all that. Any questions? And one of the kids goes, what's a flank? What's a defilade? Why don't you just shoot at him? And he's like, I need a drink. <laughs> oh. well, yeah, I, it's a free HBO weekend or this last weekend. It was free HBO weekend, which is always bad for me because that's when I catch up on movies. And... um Everybody, we had talked about Justice League before and the DC stuff, and I had fine. I finally watched uh, Suicide Squad. I thought that was heads and shoulders above Justice League. I thought, and when you compare those two movies, I don't know really? if you guys have seen it or not, but Justice uh, um, Suicide Squad got a really bad rap, and so I wasn't expecting much. And but man, it was a it, it, it's sort of still in the vein of the Zack Snyder vision for the for the whole series, so it was a little bit darker and. And stuff like that, and I, I enjoyed it a lot more than Justice League. So I don't know if I don't know if TJ's has an opinion on that or not. But. You know, I haven't really followed a lot of the DC comic films. <clears throat> I, I think the last ones that I really watched were the the uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman series because those are great. I, I this is just my personal take on Superman. I don't think they've ever done a good Superman live action film. I don't think the ones with 
uh, Christopher Reeves was good. I don't think that any of the new ones were good. I think that they've always struggled to do Superman well. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the animated version that came out uh, by uh, Bruce Tim back in the 90s that I grew up on, I thought that they did a much uh, better job of that. So I really haven't followed it, like the Suicide Squad or anything like that. I've, I I kind of dropped out of following that stuff um, as I got older. Uh, the best boy. version of Superman's probably Smallville, I would say. The first few seasons of Smallville, that was really yeah, good. I don't know why they had such a hard time with that character. Like trying trying to do an actual good Superman film, it, they, they should have borrowed from the uh, Max Fletcher cartoon shows from the '40s. That's what uh, Bruce Tim based the uh, Batman animated series in the early '90s off of, uh, as far as wow. um, the the style of the the an- animation and all that. So uh, they keep setting it in modern times when they should be setting it back in the day when when Superman was first conceived. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 just it, I'm sorry, but that era just is much more iconic and looks cooler and they can have it. They can just do different stuff with that. Kind of like Captain America. They did a Captain America um, back in the nineties that apparently I, I just discovered, which was terrible. And then they did the one back in, I think 2011 yeah, where they, they did a really right. Good, yeah. yeah. They did that. Right. So they can do it right. They just have to n- know what they're um, they have to, I, I guess the story they have to get right. The, like what the film is really about. Mm-hmm. Well, you have, um, your, your, I wouldn't say bias, but your preference towards film noir. And one series that really did it well and didn't try to change its origins uh, was the 90s Batman animated cartoon series. Right. The Batman where Gotham was this dark 1930s, 1940s place. People are wearing fedoras. The, I mean, even the cars look like they came from it, even though there was the bad computer and all that. And right. if they were just to harken back to that, I think you know, not well, leaving too far away from the origin story would do it well. And what's cool is for that, they, I remember listening to a documentary when they were talking about how they were able to include technology from the future or from our present day. And I think it was Bruce Tim or um, one of the other guys, but he was saying, we conceived of it being Gotham is the 1939 New York World's Fair that never ended. So the style never changed, but the technology did. So you see this a lot of, uh, it's not steampunk, but it's the same idea where you have technology from the latter part of the 20th century meshing with the style of the earlier part of that. So they were allowed able to do different stories that were kind of cool on that. But yeah, they, they definitely kept to a darker version of Gotham. And, and I, I think... Tim Burton's Batman film in that came out in 89 was definitely over the top in that way, but the style was still okay. He just, I think was far, especially Batman. Tim Burton. Yeah. Tim Burton's always yeah. been weird um, <laughs> in the, in the type of films he does as far as style, he's got that very distinct, but it's just very dark and very almost um, macabre. Like Edgar Allan Poe and him would probably get along well. Yeah. Well, anyone know where uh, John Steele is today? Nope. And I said the fly. Oh, I wonder who's going to check the super the chat room. I can. I'm checking right now. Let's check see. Check right now. Quite a few comments here. Because um, I have qualified for monetization, but I'm now currently under review to get approved. So I knew it was going to be one of those things where. It's like, no, we just can't approve you. So they will send me an email and they'll let me know if I've I've done well and we've esteemed them. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, so super chats like the pre- the past two podcasts I've done where I promised, hey, yeah, we'll have super chats next week. Well, here's a third premise: we'll have super chats next week. <laughs> right. Well, no questions yet. Just some good comments here and there, and. No, that's like, all right. I was just wondering in case. Cynic and like, Chief says uh, having your own house is both awesome and it sucks at the same time. No, yeah, I, I can, I can definitely um, having my own house. It's going from living in a uh, renting out a bedroom to moving into your own house, even a small one like mine. It, there's just so much maintenance. I have a huge yard that I've, I keep trying to. Um, I'm frantically trying to keep green, or at least a mild green color, <laughs> because it's 90 degrees out here, and you just have to have the the, the sprinklers going constantly and you have to water everything to keep it green. But then you've also got to just keep the stuff go- like just doing the dishes. Then you got to do the laundry. Then you got to, you know, sweep Brush the your floor. Teeth. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> that's just house, your right? socks. Yeah. But I'm just saying you, then you're trying to, you know, you're doing house projects. Like I, on top of that, I'm trying to finish the drywall for my, my living room area that where I got the fireplace that we just installed and all that other stuff. And, um, being and I'm being gone. I think the other part of it is I'm just gone constantly. I've got other projects that I'm trying to do as far as writing or I'm on doing podcasts and, and all that. So it's definitely an additional, um, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, so, so far I haven't had anything like catastrophically bad happen you as will. far as give it time. Give oh, it time. No, no. Go buy a throttle cable for a lawnmower. <laughs> I, I actually don't have a lawnmower. I borrow it from a neighbor. <laughs> that little postage stamp. You honestly know what I do, TJ. Just so so it's easy and one or two lawnmowers, I guess. Get yourself one of those non-motorized push lawnmowers, uh, where it just has the blades. Right. Okay. Or get one of the electric ones. Don't dick around with carburetors. Don't dick around with bad gas. Just I would go and get one of those electric lithium battery ones. Do you want one of those push mowers, Cappy? I got one. I never use it. Is it sharpened? <laughs> if you want it. <laughs> is it sharpened? Well, it, it's hardly ever been used, so it's got to be sharp. Well, so. yeah, but unless it's rusty, now it's not. Now it just has tetanus on I it. Think it's, I think it's self-sharpening. I think that's what they're supposed to be, is they sort of, when you use them, it sharpens it. Nah, because if this one's going to go, I'm going to go get a, an electric one. Because there's one that, like, folds up like Voltron, and it fits in, like, this little <laughs> thing. and. <clears throat> And it's does, it, does, it try to, does it try? Does it try to destroy the world at some point? No, Voltron. Voltron was the defender of oh, the universe, young man. Yeah. So he, you're he, turning he, down a free? It's <laughs> not free. It's not free because here's I gotta I gotta drive gotta up. Drive up here. Yeah, I gotta I drive up there, then I'm gonna have to sharpen it, and I'm just thinking about. Well, look, I can go over to the the Menards, and I can get one of those, or maybe I could go online. Maybe Amazon will deliver it to me, and I'll go through the great ones hey, of somebody else. Yeah, buy some affiliate goats. program. How about, how about goats? You could buy some goats. Yeah, yeah goats come with they their own. They could eat the grass, too. and yeah. Oh no, it's funny in Leavenworth. There is a goat where I live. Uh, there is a, a goat that uh, by the golf course where they have it eating food, and so there's always a crowd on the sidewalk, uh, just trying to watch it and see what it's going to do. I was like, no, yeah, people, it's going to eat grass. That's what. <laughs> that's why they have it. Is he like the neighborhood goat? He just walks through town. No, with he's in a fenced in area along the the hillside that's right next to this golf course uh, that people can can rent out or or do stuff on. And but there's this goat that they just have eating the grass all day long, and so people are always stopping to take pictures, especially the tourists. Does he have a name? Um, I I wouldn't know. I've never met the owners. Wouldn't know who they are, and I, I've seen that thing too many times to really 
you know, that, that's a downside to kind of living, to moving to a tourist town that's, you know, really nice. Like when I first used to go there just for the weekend to get away from everything, it was, it was almost like a, a, a mini or a diet Disneyland for me because you're just getting away. It's a, a weekend vacation getaway. But then when you're there every single day, everything tends to lose its luster when you see it on a daily base, basis. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, familiarity breeds contempt, but it just loses the excitement of the yeah, that's novelty. Uh, All novelty yeah, wears off. Novelty. Yeah, and I think that if people were asking me, you know, this is a great place. Would you recommend a move here? I would say you can, but you just need to know here are the, here's the reality of living here. Kind of like when I went to uh, the Humane Society and I met with one of the people who ran it and I said, I want the the brass tacks. I want the non-glamorous depiction of what life will be like when I bring this dog, you know, a dog back to my house. And they, you know, were very direct with me about it. And I decided not to get a dog. And then I discovered that my neighbor had a dog and I didn't have to have one for myself. We got, well, a, we got a uh, question here on the chat. Sure, go ahead. And I think I, I'm curious what Cap thinks about it or even knows about it. Uh, thoughts on the Supreme Court nominee? <laughs> oh, God. I don't I who is it? Who is it? Huh? I think it's not so much about the Supreme Court justice himself. I don't really know anything about it and I haven't studied anything. I'm just looking at the reaction. That's exactly That's, it, TJ. Yep. It's almost like I just want to. Uh, make some popcorn, sit back and watch the reactions, just the meltdown because he, it's almost, it doesn't, well, it reminds me of how Cappy, we were just talking about, you know, the problem with the news, somebody accidentally put out a story in which they, they were, they'd already written the story about his controversial nominee and all these different problems with it, but they didn't put the name of the person in because they'd already written it. They'd written it before he made oh, the announcement yeah. and yeah, then they yeah. published it and forgot to put the names in. And so I was just thinking he, he could, he should have picked, I thought the Babylon B was hilarious when they picked the, their satire site. And they said he picked Alex Jones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you it's, imagine? Uh, I mean, what's crazy about that is we live in a world, we, we think, Oh, it's crazy. Alex Jones. But I try to explain to somebody, as I've said before, in 1995, that Dennis Rodman would be a diplomat to North Korea and, right. um, you know, Donald Trump would be president. president. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Yep. That's his name. Uh, yeah. I had the same, guy. I had the same takeaway and, and I went a little further with it in that the left is melting down over this. This is a classic example of reaping what you've sown. They made the Supreme court what it is as far as, no longer interpreting the law, but creating the law. So if you do something wrong, and they're all they're all crazy concerned about Roe v. Wade, right? That's that. That's just like they think that women that's are going to be imprisoned and everything. That's what they think is going to happen. Nothing and, left. But they, they they created the activist judges uh, that whole thing. And so when you do something the wrong way and you lose power, guess what? <laughs> You're it's it's going to be undone if you had actually passed a law, done a constitutional amendment, had gone, had, had done it right the first time, there would be no problems. You would have nothing to worry about. If you were a constitutionalist from the start, the left, and, and, and instead of, inter instead of uh, creating law from the bench, you interpreted law from the bench. And, and then well, if they're, if they could only interpret it a certain way, well, we got to change the law. We got to update the constitution with an amendment or whatever. If you'd done it the right way, 
that was laid out within the Constitution, you would have nothing to worry about now. So suck it. Now it's now it's time to undo all that you've done the wrong way. They don't care though. That I, I don't. I don't even think they thought that far ahead because they always expect to play unfair. Like you can't do to us what we did to you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, they'll, and they'll always say, "Well, it's racism." The isms and the ists are going to come out again because that's like we're going to do exactly what it is to you. But then we're going to accuse you of these things. The Republicans will tuck their tails behind their legs. Um, this Kavanaugh guy, I'm not terribly impressed with him. He scores real low on the Clary test. The thing about the Supreme Court is it's, the implications are much, much more critical because the Supreme Court is for life, as opposed to somebody just winning an election that lasts two years and then you can vote them out. They serve for life, and so they can do a lot over, over the years. But an amendment is even longer. I mean, that's the point I'm making is that if they wanted to, if they wanted to make sure they enshrined Roe v. Wade in the law, do a fucking constitutional amendment guaranteeing the right to an abortion nationwide. I mean, right. problem but solved, right? But, but they can't. But they can't do it because because that's not what people actually want. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing how we little we've used the constitutional amendment process in the last hundred years to get stuff done. Uh, which is the way it was supposed to be. You know, people talk about, you know, the, how the Constitution is a living, breathing document. Well, yes, that's what the amendment process is for. Yes, when, it, exactly. when we want things to change. But, of course, they, uh, the, the thing is, is that they don't want people to realize that things are actually changing. They don't want people to be cognizant of the fact right. that we're changing stuff because people might have different priorities. They don't want people to vote on it. <laughs> well, well, it takes work, too. If you can go ahead and pack the court, well, then you, that's a little bit easier and more efficient. Right. Getting a constitutional amendment, what is it? Two thirds or something, or you got to get all the states in on it or something. Yeah, well, first I think Congress right. does it, and then the states. Yeah, right. But then you can people aren't aware of the changes because they're slow, they're gradual, and they're too busy doing other stuff. And so it's it's not like they get in by voting. They have to consciously make the decision. Right. So this is how you have so many people who are very unaware of what's going on in the country because they haven't voted on this stuff. They, they, right. they, none of these decisions were made by the the people themselves, and so it, and it's amazing. If you ask people, oh, do you want to do, let's put in a constitutional amendment? They don't want to do that because it takes away power from with where they want, and uh, it's yeah. too much responsibility. It's too much responsibility on their part too. The other thing the left's been saying with this whole nominee is is they're very concerned about precedent now, that that's how they're going to question him. How Do you respect precedent? Do you yeah, respect well, precedent? Well, like the people that respected the precedent on gay marriage just, what, four years ago or whatever it was? That, that We undo precedent all the time. I mean, well, I would that's why out. slavery was overturned. So this respect for precedent well, the, is total bullshit. Actually, um, slavery was overturned by the constitutional yep. process. What's funny is, Brown versus Board of Education overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, which had to do with uh, segregation. Exactly. Um, Plessy versus Ferguson had said that segregation was okay as long as it was uh, separate but equal. And the Supreme Court in Brown versus Board of Education just overturned that by saying, you know, it's inherently unequal to have things separate. But they were overturning precedent. So this idea of honoring precedent is... It's, ridiculous well it the whole my whole thought is if you think that they did an interpretation wrong back then you can overturn it but you have to give a sufficient explanation for why yep. but what's also 
Um, one good reminder for people is that the Supreme Court can make a, a, issues an opinion, but they have no ability to enforce it. As Andrew Jackson you know, famously said, the Supreme Court has issued in a, uh, a decision, let them enforce it. Right. They don't. They, that's the balance. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, that's why you have three separate branches so that and with different responsibilities in which they all rely on each other to fulfill each other's role. But when one of them gets out of line, like the executive gets out of line, the Congress can check them. And when Congress gets out of line, the president and the, the judiciary can check them. So none of them are no one has too much power. But, but, but the left has made the Supreme Court the Supreme Court. They've made them the all-powerful branch of government. And that's why they're fucking freaking out. If they right. just went back to what the original intent of the Constitution was, right. then, then exactly, the checks and balances, they wouldn't have anything to worry about. I, you got an out of control Supreme Court, you get a president in there that doesn't enforce their opinions. Well, and th- I mean, that was, uh, I don't know how much you guys follow Tom Woods. He's a libertarian writer. He does a podcast. Uh, he's one of the smartest Homeschooler, guys. big time homeschooler, has his own curriculum, right? Uh, that he did the Ron Paul uh, school curriculum. He's one of the smartest guys out there, but he was after the election and everybody was having the meltdown and the inauguration and stuff like that. He just said, look, these people should not be pitied at all because this is a system they created. Now they don't like the guy in charge. They don't like the guy with, with the president. But then you're seeing the same thing with the judiciary. They created a, a system or a setup in which it was acceptable for five people because you only need a majority to have the, uh, it rule one way or the other. Five people can make a decision that affects 33 million or 330 million people in yep. the country. And the idea that that's acceptable to a normal person, I, I just, you don't, you can't have sympathy for somebody who thinks that's acceptable as long as they get their way. But then when they don't get their way, suddenly it's a bad idea. If they want to talk about limiting the power for, and also Congress can check uh, the Supreme Court. That's how they managed to get the issue of slavery off off the topic right. during the antebellum period. They just stripped the court of the ability to rule on that stuff. Congress could also do that right now on the issue of abortion. They could strip the court of the ability to rule on that stuff. Nobody wants to touch it though because you have this situation. And since we're we're talking about the Supreme Court justice and people are pointing out that oh he could at least people who are having a meltdown are saying oh he could overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm going to take a very cynical stance and say that I think that there is a significant or not insignificant portion of the pro-life movement that doesn't want to see that happen because it is their raison debt. It is right. their reason. They yeah. rely on that to, to inspire donations. In fact, Mike Huckabee said this problem because uh, when he was running for office, he said he was going to you know, get rid of it. And he found that a lot of pro-life groups didn't support him because they, you know, they didn't want to see it go away because then what are they supposed to talk about like it you get like, jobs that's they all go away yeah well but it's it, it kind of like happy what i was talking about a while ago about the abolitionist movement I, it, whatever people want to say about uh guys like william Lane garrison or whatever as soon as or the societies as soon as um the, the issue with the 13th amendment was passed they abolished or res, um dissolved their organizations they went home yeah they went home they go they live their life right well right. you don't have, see you don't have to tell me uh, about how leftists have nothing else in their life but their their religion of of politics. I'm I'm acutely aware, and that's but, why they never will go away. But I think we they also, will always come back. I think the rot's even deeper. I think it's on the right as well. Yeah, I think that there, there are there's gun, some causes. There, yep, there there are gun rights organizations that would not want the threat to the Second Amendment to go away permanently because mm-hmm. they have created their entire organization around this threat existing in perpetuity. Um, 
and uh, so, and we can do see that with other organizations, you know, that when, when their funding model requires an enemy or a foe to inspire donations or subscriptions or whatever it is, you don't want to see the enemy go away. You, right. No, mothers against drunk drivers. I want to, I want to know what the BAC limit's going to be 30 years from now. Is it going to be like Finland where it's 0.02? Well, right. uh, if, you, if you walk past a distillery and take in a big breath, you're going to be <laughs> not, not able to drive according to the Finlanders. Well, well, think about that line from the dark Knight, which was one of the, I, I think one of the best films ever made where the Joker said, you know, Batman says, why do you want to kill me? And the Joker laughs and says, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Right. Like you, you completely. <laughs> right. So, it's almost like that conversation is going on between these these people who are are opposed to each other. They actually need each other, right? Right. And my my point is, they need each other because these people have no lives. They don't have anyone. This is why, if you always look into these people's backgrounds, and if all you see is a resume filled with, well, I worked on this nonprofit, I worked on this political campaign, I did this. Like, look, it was cool back in high school and college to maybe get involved involved with your local uh, political branch. Or maybe it was kind of fun if you had a little bit of time. Oh, I donate some time uh, to this campaign. But DT, you, me, and the man, when we went, we went twice. So you guys even investigated a little bit more. When you get there and realize just what a bunch of losers people are, both on the right and the left, right. where politics is their number one thing in life, you were, they have no friends, they have no family, they have no loved ones, they have no career, they have no profession, they have no ability to create an art or craft. Uh, all they got, all they got is some kind of damn political crusade that they don't even give a damn about the political crusade, but it gives them something to fucking do. And, and above all else, it's not real work. It doesn't take a lot. I'm against drunk drivers. Holy shit. You went off on a limb there, sweetheart. Right. Tell me more toots. What should the BAC I be mean, this week? You know? but, but that's the point that I think a lot of people like Tom Woods has pointed out is back in the day, if you were, you know, let's say in 1850, if you're an abolitionist, you were opposed to slavery on moral grounds, not economic grounds. You were like four or 5% of the pop voting population at the time. So it was actually controversial and um, edgy to say I'm I want I want exactly it you it required bravery and courage to take that stance and so very few people were that radical but saying that you're against these issues now does not make you brave what matters no. is are you are you the kind of person who would have taken that stance 200 or 150 years ago and people who are so eager to declare to the world how much they believe or are against something or in favor of something that that involves no risk to their career or their personal safety or to their reputation. They don't like, no one's going to condemn you. If you say you're against drunk driving, there's nobody who's going to come out of the woodworks to insist that you lose your job. Your boss is not going to call you in and say, we saw you posting that drunk driving is wrong on your Twitter. Um, <laughs> we can't tolerate that here. Um, we can't like the pro genocide group that I belong to. I'm very pro genocide. <laughs> Especially children, innocent children, wipe them all out. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, how, like, what kind of psychological state do you have to be in to think that you are brave saying that? It's like saying I'm against, you know, hitting puppies. I, I think here's here's you know? what I think. I I don't think they think they're brave. Um, I think deep down inside they know damn well what they're doing, and it's it's a simple philosophy or explanation but it's because it's true it's occam's razor these are just lazy people who want to feel good about themselves 
but are too lazy to accomplish anything of true value and worth in their life. And again, keep going back. Bios, here's a perfect example. When I do the Clary test on bios, it's almost a guarantee these people are going to put up their fake faux, uh, euphemistic, uh, uh, pablum resumes about raising awareness and, and championing rights for children and, and campaigning to help the, the whales or whatever, but, because that's all they have. And they the want to break. Is, but if you look at it, look at, look at whether the, here's another way to tell, are they good looking people? or Are they ugly? If you got fat, ugly people, well, that means they're lazy. And I bet you nine out of 10 times they're on some nonprofit, nonprofit board, uh, where they go help do something that you'd be like, well, yeah, I am against the ethical treatment of animals. Who's who's for the unethical treatment of animals? You know, so that's that's what it is. It's just laziness. But they just can't they just can't be a good welfare parasite and go collect a government check. They got to go and masturbate their egos, be it in school, academia, politics, nonprofit. Lawyers is another very common thing. You get these idiot dipshit liberal arts majors. They go on to law school because they don't know any better. And it wasn't a tier one law school. So what are they going to do? And all the law schools now have social justice warrior programming trained. Now they're going to go save some other group that no one was ever against in the first place. These are worthless people. And if you look at them, they have nothing in their lives, nothing. Well, the other thing is what they do, the, the really effective way of creating a, a non, whatever it is they're doing, where they got to create an enemy that's vague, that's not very, def, uh, not easy to define, but everybody thinks they know what they're talking about. And then the other thing that you do is you set vague or unattainable goals. Because then you never have to worry about reaching that goal and then figuring out, out what to do from yeah. there. You don't have to worry about conquering Berlin yeah. and going home. Yeah. This is one of the things that I do to test people's um, authenticity or their, whether they're genuine um, about something. I say, so what, uh, what's the goal? What are you trying to accomplish and what do you think should be done? What action should be taken? So action oriented. And if they don't have something specific or tangible, then I know that they're just using a problem to make money. Just a second here. You said it earlier and in a previous podcast, you said something like this. And I started to say, think about how low the bar is for accomplishment nowadays. These people their, their their sense of accomplishment comes from raising awareness. You said it, Kev. That's mm -hmm. they're always we're raising awareness. Raising awareness is the participation trophy of today's society. I mean, seriously, that's that is the goal. That is the objective of, of the protesting or what, all these social but, justice. But think about it. Whoever it's they a, are. It's a, raising it's awareness. But it's a it's a goal that is vague and it, you can never measure. Yeah, but their you... participation in it is just to raise awareness of right. that vague thing. They feel right. a sense of accomplishment from just raising awareness. That is their participation trophy. That's right. their pat on the head. Right. Right. But then I also know that they're not interested in solving a problem that actually exists because their goals, their, their, their goals are not specific. There's no way to measure whether or not that goal has been accomplished. And so, and I've, you, you do, this doesn't even necessarily apply, apply to politics. This can just apply to just individuals who complain about a problem that they're using to ignore issues in their own life that they could solve if they wanted to, but they don't want to, they could set goals. You know, let's say, you know, they're not in good shape or they're just messy or they don't, they're not doing very well in their career. You can set goals for how you want to improve areas in your personal life. 
So then they latch onto politics, which is where we see all this meltdown going on in politics because it, they can get upset about that. And they, you know, and then you say, get well, government what taxpayer money for their projects. Well, but then you say, well, what should we do? And they'll say, raise awareness. Mm -hmm. And I'm raising again, awareness again, that, you know, and that means going on social media, going on Twitter. So that's when we're always seeing people espousing their views on every single issue that that shows up in the mainstream media or shows up in just national news, because that's a way to distract from the fact that they could make changes in their own life. But it's a lot harder to do that. Like, you're well, saying, let me let me point out something very insightful. Um, I was over hanging out with the great one himself in Fort Collins, and he always saves clippings from the Colorado State University out there. One of the campuses is out there. And it was an outdated article, <clears throat> but important nonetheless, because it was a girl who was writing about uh, four or five young boys, boys, young men at Colorado State University who came up with um, a pill or a powder or something and you could put it in your drink and if it turned blue or something like that, it had been laced with Spanish fly. Right. And yep. so- and I heard about that. Yep. Yeah, and so everyone's like, hey, this is great. This will prevent rape. This will protect girls. Girls will be able to go out. This increases their safety, blah, blah, blah. The woman writing the article, you want to know what her problem with that was? I can tell you, but I want to hear you say it. it's blue oh. and it's not pink. No, it's implying that it's okay for men to do what they're doing because it's forcing women to take action initiative. It's forcing the women to go out and buy close, this product. Close. The, the problem was that it doesn't teach men not to rape. That's <laughs> right, what right. it was. Is that it? And I guess in a roundabout way, what you're saying is true that men don't learn. Men think that rape is okay. Hey, oh, oh, she got the powder. Oh, you got me. Okay, I'll try I'm raising again. awareness Snicker, Snicker, Snicker. that rape is not okay. I'm raising awareness. Rape is wrong. But here's, <laughs> here's what I learned. And the, the left, this is their money-making operation. They want to make reality immoral. So if you look at, uh, say, oh, uh, you know, rape. Rape is wrong. Rape is bad, okay? Uh, <laughs> most... <laughs> Only sadistic, evil, criminal, horrible men rape, or and some women too, I guess. But but the rest of us, the ninety nine point eight percent of the rest of us, know not to do it. See, but they most can't... men beat the shit out of the men that if they find out that they did do it, and right. men would fucking cave their skulls in. But that problem's been solved so we got to act like oh no we got to teach these other men not well, to rape it's happy, the fact that happy. some men think it's like you're always going to have men happy what yeah. what what they do is they simply have changed the definition as we've seen with all these different i mean think about what would have been considered assault 20 years ago compared to now if you mm -hmm. told somebody if you told if i mean i almost wonder if you told a feminist 20 years ago what would be considered assault now they would call for them to be like they would call for the guys in the white coats I just wonder if that how how crazy stuff has got because, um, but yeah, when you try and solve a problem, and then this is another example of where you keep moving the goalpost when you reach an objective, you move it so that it sounds like oh we and you'll hear this There's often still a crisis. We've, we've accomplished so much, but we have so far right. to go still. Did you know that five in every two girls are now raped on college campuses? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fucking math me, you patriarchal bastard. That's a true statistic that came out of the Women's Studies Department. And that's all. We need more funding. Just, it was so funny because I remember we were working campus security. And 
the U of M, now this is 20 odd years ago, was one of the safest campuses ever. Like it is a, and probably still very safe today, but you could look at the crime map. And once you got onto U of M territory, it just dropped off. All the, all little red buttons or dots and pins went away. Uh, and I always wondered, like, because you didn't really pay much attention because you had other things going on. Like, do you know that one in every five women is raped? I'm like, 20% of the women get raped on this campus? Like, I didn't hear about any of those reports. Da, 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 da. And it was all a lie. All lies and bullshit. Well, if you want yeah, to know the rape like, statistics, you had to go to the police department. Well, it's like, is this Rwanda? Is this the Congo? Like, what, I mean, it's... What's kind of amazing is the normal people. I remember reading a book by a, a pastor who cited that, and I thought, really, you think like that? I, it, the normal reaction that one would would say to that is, uh, "I'm not sending my daughter to college." Right. You know, there would yeah. be a mass exodus. It's almost like, yeah, imagine if people actually believe that father. There's no way fathers would be sending their daughters to college. So I'm just understanding, like, how do they process this information? Uh, that's my point. They they don't. They damn well know what they're doing. They're doing a victim professional. Well, I'm talking victim. about I'm talking about normal people who they're oh. they're preaching to. It's because when I heard it, the normal reaction is that can't that cannot be true. Because if it was true, nobody would be going to college. They'd be shut down. There'd be criminal right. investigations. There'd be all sorts of stuff going on. This is like it's kind of like saying that one in every person is going to get you know macheted to death in on college campus and just like oh you know you know and, and well it's the rest 80 chance yeah. i won't yeah. die huh? yeah I, 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 i'm just <laughs> and so i remember bringing that up with somebody and they just said yeah that kind of doesn't make any sense it's almost the, the fact that nobody was responding to it and saying really i'm not going to send my daughter to this call to college if this is this statistic is true so i was wondering what what is the normal reaction are they just have they completely checked out of this discussion it, and so only only uh self-appointed experts i mean i don't know it's 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 too i mean dt you probably you went to school roughly same time i did when you saw that you just dismiss them as crazy women's studies psycho feminists feminists had a bad name back then back then back then and they weren't trying even half the shit they're trying now Uh, so you would dismiss them as just the crazy old ladies who hated men uh but i don't know now what percent of kids do today i i really don't male or female but let's i think they're just they're scared i think they've just been beaten down i mean they'll hear that statistic and they'll go well okay yeah well if you say so and they won't say anything you know contrary to it or just keeping their head down so they can get their degree i mean there are a lot of people that go to college even back when i went to college um uh, a friend of mine basically uh he was he was taking a course and they were trying to say that the IQ test was racist or something like that. And they, they used this example of, well, uh, you ask, what's the color of a banana? And most people will say yellow, but poor black people have never seen a yellow banana. Their bananas are brown and yellow, right? And then he raises, my friend raises his hand and says, um, I've never seen a giraffe you know, <laughs> so bullshit. I call bullshit on this whole this whole excuse for you know IQ tests being racist and 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 all of that. Uh, and and he talked to his dad about it. Like they're teaching me shit that is just wrong. What do I do? And his dad said, "Just keep your head down, get your degree, get out of there." I think a lot of people think that way. Yeah, I, but um, you know, Cappy, one thing we got to keep in mind is not getting hung up on labels because uh, there's a, I would say 
the number of people who subscribe to feminist or feminism as a as a philosophy are a lot of people they just don't think of themselves as feminists and they don't call themselves feminists but it's about ideas and that's one of the effective things that that, that has been done is they don't they've convinced people to embrace ideas without realizing what they're embracing kind of like with the supreme court making decisions on behalf of the american people instead of the constitutional amendment process they don't realize what's going on there and it's it's slowly integrated into the society all these changes and so you send girl the girls to school they learn in, in english class about all this different stuff and then they come out but they've in, they've internalized it and then they go out there and they you know of course they they're not they don't have blue hair they're, they're not they're, they're not, first they're not summer actually, back the first yeah. summer back they get home and their dad's like what the hell happened to your hair and who the hell are you well, well i'm thinking of course at what point do these fathers start taking responsibility for their act like their role in this they don't and, uh, yeah that it drives me nuts well and, here's, I, I, and i'm gonna point i'm gonna call this guy out because it pissed me the frick off um we got a show here called garage logic love the show everybody on it's great nothing wrong with it and there was a protest at uh, DT. What's the chicks uh, all school girl thing in, in St. Paul? Oh, all girls school. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. No. St. Kate's. St. Kate's. St. Yeah. Kate's. So they're talking about how the St. Kate's, it's an all girls school. And so they want to have all women leaders come in and do a speech or a seminar or composium on being a, a woman who leads. And you're thinking like, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's all girls school. Bring in all female leaders. <clears throat> Why wouldn't you? Well, they had to cancel it because there were too many white women leaders in the panel <laughs> and not enough minority. And so the uh, the the rookie host, rookie is his nickname. Uh, baby he's not just as, gets thrown out with the bathwater. The baby's just like, ah, with the bathwater on that one. <laughs> so his daughter goes there, and this is not a cheap school. I'm like, how are you the daughter? How do you have your daughter? You're in a conservative right-wing talk show program, right. and I even right-wing. I think they're very more libertarian. You've been talking about the decay of academia, and here you are. You know what's going and you let her go? Right. And you right. can't get the co-host of a conservative talk radio program to prevent his own goddamn daughter to going to some overpriced leftist Marxist indoctrinated school where they're more where they are racist. They are racist. They don't care about your accomplishments or the character. It's all about the color of your skin. Well, fuck it. Then why they you know truly enjoy the decline in that case? Right. But yes, right. the men are absolutely and and moms too. Um, although right. I would hope the man would have a little bit more of a independent right. anchor in him but no they don't care conservative parents just don't care they just whatever is all good little princess I no. yeah and it, this is after it, it's not like this is no this is before the internet ladies and gentlemen this is in the age when all this information and it's not like the people are being secretive about it now oh they're, they're, they're in your they're in your yeah it's like you have to go you have to go hide in the mountains like i do to get away from it <laughs> and so if you're not out in the mountains you know playing uh, uh jim bridger or whatever uh you you know that this is going on so what's your excuse like this is, every, every time i see see one of these cases you just look and say okay there was a father and if he wasn't kicked out of the house or left we like the the blame has to at some point these these guys have got to feel the pressure um i just i don't know how but they, they think that they can just sit back and let the society 
I don't know. Well, it's like how I, with my daughters, I do not allow them to be on their devices for long periods of time. I just refuse. It's like these can't do that, but every other parent will let them and, oh, well, all the other kids are doing it. So they're going to feel left out if they're not on their devices becoming zombies. And it's just about integrity. It's about, it's about, you know, what is true and you live that truth. And most people are full of shit. I think that that's actually the problem is that everybody's obsessed. I've been wanting to talk about this on my own podcast. People are, are very, very, they, they, they prioritize fitting in socially at like the top. Everything else mm-hmm. gets compromised for the sake of social, of, of maintaining social, sociability. And so, yeah, they don't want to raise their kids differently than the other kids. So you, what you get is the lowest common denominator. Because right. the worst parent, um, nobody wants to basically say, "Oh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this, or we're not gonna do that, or we're not, we're gonna separate our, our we're basically gonna raise our kids differently and to think differently than mo- the majority of people." They will look. At, they may be not the lowest common denominator. They'll look at the majority of people and where the crowd is going, and then they'll say that. And the men, the the fathers, just lack the spine. Uh, or the right. resolve or the will to say, no, this is complete well, crap. Here's this a great, complete- here's a great example that every parent should be fucking terrified of. There is this uh, app called uh singly or something like that. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but kids use it to basically lip sync songs and make a video and, and have that. You can either have it be private with just your friends, just like any videos that we do. Um, or you can have it be public. Fucking pedophiles go look at that shit and try to try to you know get with these kids. And it's like you, you parents are idiots letting your musically. That's what it's called. Musically, you can look up uh, uh, articles online that basically warn parents about how pedophiles are on there watching your kids. And and it, you know kids just. Once you film your face and you film a few things around you or whatever, somebody can track you down. Easy. It's easy. Right. And, and, but parents will let their kids do this shit because all their friends are doing it and they're having so much fun. And, oh, there isn't that much of a risk of, but there is. And, and, and even the, the chance of a fucking pedophile kidnapping your kid isn't enough to put your foot down. I mean, it's well, crazy. That's a, that's, a stati- that's a less than a one in what, a thousand chance. There's a 65% chance you're going to go major in stupid shit. There's a hundred percent chance that in your no. school, on, in your four years of college classes, they're going to force you to take leftist Marxist indoctrinated bullshit. Right. And there's no, and you guys are right. It's, it's spineless fathers, lazy fathers, lazy parents. I do uh, charter the fathers with more responsibility on this one than I would the mothers. I think that's what men are there to do. Our, it's our job to be children. assholes. It's our job to say no and be assholes. That's our job. We're bad cop. We right. play bad cop. I, I just don't want to hear anything about um, people lecturing those of us who I, I, and I'm speaking as a bachelor with, with no, obviously no kids, but one of the things that I would definitely instill in my kids is the sense that if, and this is when they get older, not necessarily when they're young, they're still under my supervision. And so it's my responsibility. But when they become adults, there are I unconditional love. That doesn't mean I want you around me if you do certain things. If you cross certain lines with me, you will be more or less dead to me um, as far as just being a part of my life. 
And that's called respect because this is one of the other problems. People have no self-respect. Their kids can basically disrespect them in a way because they don't respect themselves. Like right. kids have got to know if you do, if they do certain things. And then I remember talking about this with somebody and they go, oh, that, that's cruel. You don't love your kids. And I go, no, you don't want to know what's not loving your kids. Sending them out at 18 years old to start off life with a pile of debt and in, in the middle of an economy where they can't get a decent job. Oh, and, and then, you know, telling them just to pursue their dreams and get a worthless degree so that they can go work at Starbucks. And then, and then constantly telling them that their dream is just around the corner. And, and, and this one, don't forget this. This comes with that order of fries and a Big Mac. People will like you for your personality, especially girls. So be very nice and sweet and kind to them at all times. Well, that's the thing. That's the debt of, the, of your mind, too. If you, if, and, and maybe a debt is not the right word, but your mind has... Misinformation. It's not been filled with the truth. It's been filled with lies. And yep. so when you're sent out into the world with your head full of lies and things don't work out for you, it takes a long fucking time to reprogram yourself. Well, right. I always I always point out people this, we were the last generation to have to figure it out via analog uh, because <laughs> no, we were because it was, you know, the Internet didn't really start having things on it until like the mid 90s. Manosphere came nowhere near around. We were in our 20s ourselves. We had no freaking clue. Parents are freaking worthless. They believe the left is feminist sloppy. You should just do this. Then, oh, any degree is a good degree. All that we had. And there was no way to really compare notes. Like you, you thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with this school or maybe there's something right. wrong with this town. And it wasn't until I was like 25, 26 did you realize, holy crap, it's nationwide. But as you said before, TJ, now there is no excuse. Right, you exactly. could be clueless in the analog world. Now there is no way with daily articles written about the insanity going on in the public schools or whatever else. There's no way you don't know this. Well, it's people it's, choosing it's, to. It's, it's exactly. written about everything. Every anything you want to know about any anything you right, can look about anything right, anything you're curious about. It reminds me of an article that Matt Forney wrote years ago um, at some point saying. Look, if you're a guy who hasn't done his homework now with the internet about the the situation with marriage and all that other stuff, we have a right to not feel sorry for you when bad things happen to you, when you make a bad life choice in that regard, because you have no excuse. You may have had an excuse in the 90s before the internet when you just, this material was not available, like William Farrell or whatever his name is, Will Farrell. What, what was the name of that guy? Will Ferrell. Not Will Ferrell. <laughs> Elf, Elf, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there was that, that male feminist guy. He wrote The Myth of Male Power or something like that. But that was basically the only book available at the time. But it was you had to know where it was. You couldn't go su- search on Google. Uh, now was it we Warren have, Ferrell? Was it Warren, yeah, Warren Ferrell? Ferrell? Yeah, Warren Ferrell. Uh, though I, don't I never know. read that, but I remember <laughs> the name. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he's, I remember he's, where it is. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is you didn't have the internet back then. So if people who made mistakes, it's like, well, who was, you know, how was I supposed to know nowadays? If something bad happens to one of these guys, cause they made stupid decisions and they go, well, how was I supposed to know? would say, did you have a laptop with internet? And were you able to type Google search and say all this stuff about marriage? It's like, you didn't do your homework. And at some point you got, you, you got to suffer for making bad life. Choices. You could even type in, you could type in, <laughs> You can type in, why am I looking at so much porn? And that will, <laughs> you know, porn is the most popular thing on the internet. It keeps breaking the internet every year, you know, top of the heap. So even if you're curious just about that, why you like that, you'll find the truth. 
Oh, it's so much easier. And yet they're even further and further delayed. People are still in the matrix until they're in their late thirties. Now I'm, I'm just shocked how they, and I guess after a certain time it becomes buyer's remorse and you've invested so much into the, into the lie. You can't go back and you don't want to expend the effort and energy one deprogramming yourself and then reprogramming yourself based in the real world. But um, no, it, it gets disheartening especially when when old mans can't give a damn about their daughters then it's kind of like well, why the fuck should i i just i'm i'm gonna go ride my motorcycle and be depressed i've still got i've got my speech worked out for when the suitors come for my daughters you know i mean every man every father should have that speech should have a woodshed and Shotgun. an axe and a swamp <laughs> out back and you know say hey anything you do anything no one's gonna find you <laughs> Oh. Um, I did. Speaking of the lies, uh, I wanted to go to this article, <clears throat> but they put it behind a paywall because it got too popular. Uh, do you guys remember that uh, feminist bookstore? It's in the show Portland, oh, yeah. India, <laughs> but it's also in Portland. It's actual feminist bookstore. Right. I have not heard of it. Okay. All right. Well, they they shut down two weeks ago. Uh, the um, PJ Media covered it and they cited uh not so much patriarchy but the fact that it was founded in 1993 and it was founded by all white women so that structural racism cis it was straight white women there well we can't undo this foundation so we can't keep it running up well speaking of good quality journalism i'm gonna have to quote the article from reading it the first time <clears throat> this is lit, uh, written by andy Ngo. NGO, I presume that's a Vietnamese name, Nyo. Uh, but anyway, he uh, ended up finding out that you know what the primary purpose of that bookstore was? Mm, something criminal, maybe. Not criminal, immoral. It was basically just the women's studies department bookstore. So if you wanted to buy <laughs> books for your women's studies class, you had to. You didn't have to go, but you could go to this one instead. And so I think so they were competing with the school bookstore, and they lost. Yes. <laughs> well, because they passed some laws now that you remember how remember it's the evil Republicans that hate college students. Remember that we're in college. It was the evil right wing Republicans that hate college students. Well, they passed a law saying, "Hey, you know this textbook scam going on? Right. Yeah, that ain't happening no more." And so when that went away, I guess this thing lost uh, its funding. And awesome. They, oh, uh, so I got I got two stories on that. So, so one thing I would add is, or from what you're, the excuses they were providing, it reminds me of Dr. Shivago, where Dr. Shivago comes back to Moscow from uh, the First World War, and the Soviets have taken over, and he he's about to go back to the hospital. And he mentions, "Oh, I heard there's typhus in the city," and all the all the citizens freak out, and the Soviet like leader says, "There's no typhus in this city. You're listening to you know reactionary elements, propaganda, or whatever." <laughs> and then, of course, it, of course, it is typhus. Um, in the city, but yeah, they're, they're like the rationalization of, oh, it's not, it's not going on. Like the reality of the situation with the bookstore. Uh, what was funny is I had to deal with the expensive books back when I was in college. What I did is I just, I found out that the editions were almost completely oh, identical. So identical. I, bought, I would buy like the, the, you know, there was, they'd say buy the seventh edition. I would buy the fourth edition for, we are literally talking pennies on the dollar. Um, and then, of course, I would just borrow, or you know what I do? I go to the library and, and borrow uh, an edition, not pay a dime. So mm -hmm. I saved, I saved hundreds of dollars 
um, in college on the whole textbook thing by just either going to the the used bookstore um, out in town or going to the library. I'm sure other people have had this happen, but you know, you, you come up with a good idea in your head and you regret that you didn't pursue it. And the college textbook thing for me, I mean, I saw the scam right away too. And, and at, at the college I went to, there was basically a message board where people would sell between each other their textbooks. And this was when the internet and everything was first getting going. And I was like, man, somebody should create a website <laughs> where sell books. Wait, <laughs> DT, what's a website? Amazonfucking.com. Bezos is coming in his pants again about the feminist <laughs> bookstore going out, going out of business. I mean, so I always, I always, I like to say I, I thought of Amazon.com before Amazon.com, and, you know, <laughs> you know, breathe on my fingernails a little bit and, you know, polish them on my, on my chest. So that, that's whatever I think of the college books, book stuff. I always think, man, if I had pursued that, maybe I'd be Jeff Bezos. Man, I am so glad I never have to go back to school. I will, there's, there's all that bullshit and all the extra costs and all just the utter waste of time, like the percentage of time wasted working and attending and paying for college. I, I don't think I got more than 15% of my money out of that thing. When, when you consider the totality of the time, investment and resources you had to spend going to college. Am I the only one who's ever had a nightmare where you thought you were back in school? No, I get those yeah, all, yeah. all the time. It's it's like uh, it's like uh, the start of the semester where you've got your classes and you need to find the rooms and you need to you know go across campus and find all the different places to go. I have that nightmare all the time where where I'm trying to hit all the classes or I'm about to graduate and I'm missing classes that'll allow right. me to graduate. I have those dreams all the time. <laughs> yeah, I had a horrible nightmare once uh, recently where I thought I was still in college and I had completely forgotten about these courses that I was enrolled in. And so I hadn't been attending, hadn't been taking the test and I was going to fail and I was, you know, going to be stuck in college perpetuity. And then I wake up just complete, you know, one of those classic like film moments and I go, Oh, thank God. <laughs> Mine's it's even good. worse. It's, it's good to be alive. It's, it's like, I'll, I'll realize I'm, I'm on the campus. I'm still working security. I'm like, <laughs> Dude, I'm 43 and I haven't graduated. I could have swore I graduated, you know, almost 20 years ago. Why am I? Oh my God, I'm not even going to save up money for retirement. Now I know what it's like to be a woman just getting your public health administration degree at 58. But, and then I then I wake up and I'm actually happy. I'm very thankful. I'm like, oh God, that wasn't my birth. Thank God. Because, oh, oh almost, I don't want to. It's almost like our, our subconscious trying to remind us how good we got it compared to, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, There's probably a reason out there. Some psychologist could could let us know what the college dreams. You know, I'll look it up. Right, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, we've got Google. Yeah. <laughs> I'll well, Google it. You didn't have fun. I mean, you you took college hard and serious and fast. Right? Yes, and I did. Yeah, yeah. I went to a cheaper school. My my investment actually worked out. Maybe not when you consider the time. Maybe not when you consider the time. And that's what most people forget. But definitely the cost. I mean, I, I took STEM. It was a cheaper school, good school. And um, yeah, that I've, I didn't go into debt. I, I didn't go into debt at all. I just might work during the summer. Uh, I could pay for school. So no, no, I, I'm sure it was just such a mental investment. But TJ, did you have fun? Did you go in four years, one and done? Or did you hang around for six and maybe kiss some girls or something? 
No, I actually graduated early. I graduated in uh, about three quarter or three years. Three years. Okay. Um, I'd done some high school, uh, college, credit type classes, but I was also eager to get out because I was determined um, from the start. Not and I chose my college um, because of its cost. I didn't want to go into debt, so I was scrambling, you know, every year to come up with the money to pay for school. And then I uh, was. So during the recession, that's when they started cutting back on college tuition funding. So I remember talking to a lawmaker uh, telling me that the costs were going to go up by like 30% in the next year. So I just crammed in 22 credits in my last quarter and got out. You put so, in 22 in your last quarter? Yeah, that's why I was also working as the the news editor for the paper. Oh, okay. God almighty. That's, that's a tough one. I think the most I ever took was 17 or 18 uh, but th that's no, only because no, I could no, study on my job. Fair. Now, to be fair, one of the classes had me required that I work out for two hours a day. So it wasn't like I was sitting in a classroom. I just had to go work out every single day for two hours, which I wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't torture. Uh, well, that's when you were benching, what, 300 pounds and you were a buck 25 <laughs> or something? No, I was, I'm about the same weight. I haven't gained any, I'm about the same weight I've been since high school. I'm just stronger. Yeah, but you had an insane bench press back then, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was around 305. Oh, good Lord. Holy cow. Yeah, I've got the meaning of the school dream, and it's not good, fellas. Oh, It's oh, not no. good. Are you saying we haven't woken up from the dream? It's, and we not, don't have <laughs> it's not good. It says here from dreammoods.com, to dream oh, that you're in school signifies feelings of inadequacy and childhood insecurities that have never been resolved. It may relate to anxieties about your performance and abilities. Alternatively, a dream that takes place in school may be a metaphor for the lessons that you are that you are learning from your waking life. We're so we're so inadequate. <laughs> we blew everybody. Just, out. We blew each other. That was it just for Taurus or you know Pisces or any other. Who school? knows? Who knows? <laughs> There's a reason we're in the Older Brother podcast is because we blew all of our contemporaries out of the water. I mean, we're no Jeff Bezos, <laughs> but your house is paid off. My house is paid off. TJ right. owns a house. He got out of his Seattle. We all work from home. Yeah, right. Don't tell me we, we were inadequate. They uh, just make this shit up. I don't know how they even <laughs> determine that, you know? I mean, I don't I remember, know how they I remember we had the uh, we had the astrology thing in my high school newspaper. Um, and we'd be laying it out and I'd be looking at it and a, a, one of the students wrote it and she goes, I just make it up just because people love, love that whatever they hear, it doesn't matter that you can, you can say the most ridiculous thing. Um, and it all, all it's got to be is intriguing and vague enough to where they can interpret it to mean anything they want. And a compliment, complimentary. It has to say nice things. Right. But it also has to have that hint of danger or whatever. And then everybody gets excited and then, you know, whatever i think you know I these gotta, i'm looking more of these stupid dream meaning stuff <laughs> and it's like isn't it easy to just say you're anxious or you're fearful <laughs> about something i mean yeah it's like you said the astrology crap they just tell you obvious shit <laughs> oh my god yeah i am oh it all makes sense now oh i'm, I'm was, worried about my performance and uh, all that kind of shit I had, I had a friend who said he was his experience with um pretending to be a palm reader and he would say what? the most ridiculous stuff. No, he would like as a business, he would just he would be talking to people, he would meet like strangers or whatever, and he and just for fun, he wanted to see how far how ridiculous he could be. And so he would pretend to be a palm reader and he would read the, read their palm. And he would say the exact same thing every time. And 
it, like being this with the whole astrology thing and people completely bought it. <laughs> I always, my, my, the hair on the back of my neck, not because I was about to get like any, I was in any physical danger, but danger. Will Robinson was when a girl says, Oh my God, you're a Scorpio. So am I. It's like, Whoa, <laughs> no, that, uh, that is just coincidence, dear, depending on when our parents fucked when the earth was around the sun. <laughs> It has no meaning. What's, oh, you know, I'm a Scorpio. We just got such attitudes and personalities, but we're strong leaders. Like, no, you, you, you still live at home with your parents. You, you, no, I, I wouldn't trust you with anyone at all. Oh, uh, Anna Sturzinger checked in. Huh. And um, you could tell it's her because I'll read it. Tell me if you believe this is Anne or not. Okay, we're going to play the game. Is this Anne or not? You guys tell me. My cat decided to have some kind of senile dementia fit, so I've been following her around to make sure she doesn't fall off of any high surfaces. Now, does that sound like Ann Sturzinger or not? It sounds funny, I guess. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it sounds funny. I'm sorry for your cat, but it sounds kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Ann. We love you, Ann. My neighbors, my neighbors would follow the dogs around in the backyard to catch their shit. As they came out of their ass, you know, we couldn't let the shit touch the ground because then the dog would turn around and eat it. So they would literally be out there waiting for the turd. Like a shit sniper? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just the things people do for pets. My God. Why couldn't they just spank the dog? See, it's gotten bad enough now. You think the kids being raised is wrong. I now have ran into... <clears throat> I think it's the majority of people now that will let their animals shit and uh, and uh, urinate in the house, and it's just accepted. Well, cats oh. are supposed to. Cats are supposed to. You mean dogs? Dogs, cats, but they'll like put and and it's it's always like yeah, he's a little nervous. It's like no, you haven't spanked him. <laughs> he's been having dreams about school. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think what drives me nuts is how they'll let their dog just bark, 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 and then. If I, I um, used to live in a cul-de-sac, so you have a lot more houses in your backyard. You have like six or seven houses, and all of them had dogs. And so one of them decides to get into the mood of barking, and before you know it, it's 101 Dalmatians in your backyard uh, where everybody's barking. And it doesn't matter if it's a beagle or if it's a little yapper dog or a little rat dog or a chihuahua or a, 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 a golden retriever. They're all just barking at each other, and nobody seems to have the sense to just go and at the very least find out what's bothering the dog and shut it up. Right. <laughs> right. And no, it's all, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Hey, just let him bark. Well, yeah, you're making life miserable for the rest of us. Look up your city ordinance or your township ordinance. There's going to be a dog barking ordinance. Right. Get the fucking pole you know, you know out there. Like, you know what I, you know what I was going to buy? I was going to buy one of those things that sends out a high um, frequency, uh, whatever. Dog whistle. No, yeah, a high frequency whistle whenever they bark. So only dogs can hear it. And so they won't bark. I but then I saw how expensive it was and I just thought, you know what, you just move out of the neighborhood. It's not a battle you're gonna win. There is and something I, sort of cruel that you can do. I guess some people have done it. They they cut their dog's vocal cords so they can't bark. It's a little harsh. Yeah, a little harsh. Yeah, a little, they little sound harsh. sort of funny, I guess, when they try to bark. Why can't they just train your damn dogs? Whatever happened? Hey, dog, don't shit in the house. You know, spank the dog. I don't get this. 
it's, you know, and it's what's weird is when you've known people who raise dogs correctly and then it's like, oh, he just pees on the floor. He does that, you know, when he gets excited. It's like there's dog urine on your fucking floor. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's okay. I mean, we're going to be back in grass huts living on this, you know, Serengeti, you know, having animals defecate in our houses and our huts because, you know, it's just how it you goes. Know. Well, people have replaced kids with pets oh, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, that, it's, it's really pathetic. You know that, what's crazy? Uh, that, yeah, they, ahead, they've started to, oh they've, they've started to change this policy uh, at grocery stores uh, where they say now you cannot bring in your dog unless it's a service dog we don't care it's not your it's not your child it's not your uh, emotional comfort thing because you don't have any kids of your own so but what used to happen is they would bring their dogs in and of course the dogs would who knows what what they've got on their paws but then they would put the dogs in the shopping carts and I remember one time some lady had her dog in a shop like the area where you put your food and all right this. and so that's ass is sitting there <laughs> yeah yeah and I, now i don't necessarily it depends on how long and what the temperature is outside leaving your dog in the car well of course then then you walk by their car and the dog's like barking right at the window and you just want to smack it um but then you realize it's been somebody didn't train it right or it's been in that car it's not its fault or, or whatever but it's just yeah, you're right. They're, they're being replaced. They're replacing kids. Um, you've got the whole dog mom or do, dad. Do, fur dog babies. Dad. Oh, gosh. I have my fur baby. <laughs> my dog is my child. When you like Reese, too, you're, you're not exactly anti-dog either. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not anti-dog. I was just uh, if he barks, I I yell it or I, you know, basically discipline him um, and he does i don't leave they're him not the humans yeah they're i don't treat him like i don't treat him like a human and i don't expect to be able to take him you know if i can take him to a winery or to a brewery and they allow my dog to be there they're the dog to be there that's great but if they don't i'm not going to get upset about it and think they don't want my yeah I, I, everybody needs to watch old yeller before buying a pet <laughs> right so <laughs> you if you look at that kid and say that kid's cruel that kid's evil then you shouldn't have a dog. If you watch and say it's sad but necessary, then you are emotionally equipped to have a dog. Right. Or, you know, I don't know. You scoring, how uh, you scoring any tail with Reese there? <laughs> Dogs are like the best wingman to get chicks, man. I mean, you uh, you take them to the places and the stuff, and the girls say, "Oh, I like your dog." And yeah, they but they usually have uh, their boyfriend in tow. Oh, all right. Yeah, which, well, which which is kind of awkward because yeah. There's not one that didn't have a boyfriend or the boyfriend was leaving town or something. Um, no, they're just, they're together. Like there's a lot of, I don't know, like the, the areas I go tend to attract families um, for right now, like family friendly places. That's why they allow the dogs and all that. Uh, um, but I mean, people are definitely a little bit more friendly in, in that regard, but I wouldn't say not necessarily. Now, if I was there for one of those crazy weekends when, there's it's like a touristy weekend like for an event or holiday that would probably be a different situation you should take reese to wenatchee days there was some hot tail down in wenatchee when i'd go down <laughs> to the gym and work out that's a lot of extra 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 large pants being sold at walmart's wenatchee or what wenatchee's walmart down there. <laughs> i was actually just at that walmart today yeah i i do it like you know a, a, a black hawk down operation you just go in you're supposed to just get in and get out, and then you end up, you know, getting bogged down in the in the the mog. Best best time to do your shopping is at night. 
Walmart or the grocery store. You go there at, at late at night. Be Beckloff does that. And I did that too. Like you could get anything you want. I bought video games at 3 a.m., you know, get ammo at 3 a.m. That's that's when you go to, you don't go out when the normal people are around. Well, now you're not going out at all, right? You're going to. Well, no, I'm not. No, but sometimes like Chris, I get bored too. So it's like this <laughs> paradox, like, okay, see, I'm never bored out West. If I'm out well, I know we got this to do. We got that to do. I am a dog running around with his tail going who does not shit in his master's house. Very well-trained dog. But, you know, I've been here, what, over a quarter century. And it's like, oh, <laughs> right. I, I mean, when's the last time you went downtown and partied? Me? Yeah, when's the last time you went down to Minneapolis or St. Paul? I, had a I was never a party. I was never a party guy, so it right. never appealed that, to me. You didn't miss anything. You saved a lot of money. That's right, exactly. That's why it was. I I got I got to fucking pay for school. I don't want to go into debt. I'm not going to go bust a bunch of. If I'm going to have a beer, I'm going to go to the goddamn liquor store and buy the beer there rather than pay triple the price at some freaking club. So. What were you watching? Your roommates came home and you had like oh. mixed peanut butter with rum or something. You watched oh, no, some horrible no. movie. Well, what, the story I told you, yeah. Um, the first time, well, I, I bought some Bacardi Limon, which is like a, a lime lemon right. flavored okay. rum. Right. Yeah. And you and can beer. and you can mix it with beer. They they recommend it on the label, mix it with beer. And so you're getting a double dose, which is just fantastic. And, and, um, so I had like three of them and I was watching Croc Hunter for the first time Croc and it was Hunter, just a great time. It was, the, it was like Croc Hunter when he first started this crazy guy from Australia, you know, running through the outback and wrestling crocodiles and, and all the shit that he did. It was, it was, it was great. It was just, I was just alone drinking, watching the Croc Hunter. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, what do we got in the, uh, chat session? We got anything in the chat room going on? Uh, not really. No questions. No, no, no question. Um, uh, Cynic and chief asked, does captain have nightmares that he is a banker again? No, I don't. I have, I don't, I don't have those. Um, maybe because in part when I left banking, I was like with Zen with myself and I was using banking to advance myself. So I do not have fears of being in banking and, but banking was just like studying and sitting on your ass and, Doing nothing. I mean, there was there was very little work. I don't think I ever worked more than twenty or twenty five percent of a, a full eight hour working day because there just wasn't that much work to do. The craziest dream that I had about work was I used to um, at fairs. I used to I used to work all day at a fair in a Christmas ornament personalizing booth, and it was a very popular booth. And what I, basically you'd you'd personalize ornaments for hours and hours at a time. You'd just be constantly working. There'd be constantly people surrounding this booth waiting mm -hmm. to get their, their uh, Christmas ornaments personalized. And, and my boss said when I first started doing it, um, the owner, my boss said, so have you had the dream yet? And I'm like, the dream where I wake up and there's a bunch of people surrounding my bed. And he's like, exactly. <laughs> you get so you're, it's such a constant, it's like, you know, 15 hours a day or whatever. It's constant input of people just coming at you and standing around you that you, once you, you fall dead asleep right at night and it just continues and you'll wake up and you're having a waking dream with these fucking people standing around your bed. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> So that's I, maybe I don't know the current working stuff. I've never had like dreams about my current job except for that. That's why I, I thought of that story is that it's since it's such a daily since it's such a part of your life, 
I don't know that your mind wants to go there unless it's kind of forced to like in the situation that I had where it was just constant throughout the day and your mind just continues it. But I'm quite sure it's just coincidence. That's the only real time that I have the didn't graduate from school dream. That's uh, <laughs> right. pretty much just coincidence. There's other dreams I have that are a little bit more. Um, usually when I'm sick, I'm trying to solve a math problem or a logic problem or a chemistry problem. And I constantly try and try and fail and fail and try and try and fail and fail. But I don't know if I'd really consider those uh, nightmares. But no, the uh, thankfully, I don't I don't get that many nightmares, I guess. I don't know. More than anybody else, I guess. How about the locker combination dream? Have you had the locker combination dream where you can't remember your locker combination? No, never had Mm -hmm. that one. That must mean, I don't know, that must mean that um, that I I forgot to take out the garbage, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Uh, Anything else left in the chat room there, uh, DT? Uh, No. Oh my! That first even mentioned anything since we mentioned it. So that that first um, when I did the live stream on my old channel, uh, which will be back around August, uh, and then I'll also be back on Facebook by that time. I'll have my respective bands uh, gone. Um, yeah, everyone was in the chat room at that time. I don't know why people aren't in Atham the chat room. Did, Atham did ask, and he just made another comment here. But Atham mm-hmm. did ask if you would go uh, cave diving with him. But I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. It's too much equipment, so you're going to say no. No, no. I, I, well, it depends how long we're in there. I wouldn't be against it, but I got to learn how to scuba first. I mean, that's not that's not something you just go take a weekend camp and, okay, here's a, a dark, murky cave, and I'll go swim in it. Does he actually <laughs> do the – I think he means just going into the cave, not, like, going spelunking. into the water. Oh, spelunking. Yeah, no, I'd go yeah. with him. I trust him. He's, he's trained in rescue, you know, now. Okay. Yeah, cool. so he's – he was kind of watching that tie thing real carefully and right. gave me updates and and God bless him. I'm like, well, I hope they get out. He's like, ah, two made it out. Okay, and one he would have made the great CNN reporter. He could have been there with that hat and the helmet. And uh, this is Atham here live from Thailand, and uh, we got the. I'll tell you how it happens. And I mean, uh, he's still he, he's still he's still in New York. <laughs> he's just got a green screen behind him. Yeah, he's just got a green screen. No, he uh, no, he he does. Uh, he was trained in it. Uh, so the last time I was out there visiting him, he had come back from uh, cave rescue. Oh, so, really? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah I th- it, didn't somebody die in Thailand? Uh, one of the rescuers died. I thought. Yep, one yeah. of the rescuers died. It's he was telling me some horror stories, man. Like <clears throat> one guy, they found him, and he had slipped and fallen, and he got stuck upside down in a crevice down below. So they're trying to get him out. And that's how he died, hanging upside down, stuck in a crevice, and his body's still there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's and a lot of it is, you know, it's dark. You don't know where you are. Uh, it may take people hours and days to find you if they find you at all. Uh, and then it, just because they find you, I mean, these aren't stairs with escalators taking you out to the sunny opening that's very convenient. you got to crawl hours and uh, you know, half a day on your belly to make it out, and then you're injured, so they got to carry you. He was telling me another horror story about how this guy had a compound fracture and he had to fit through a crevice, and he was just breathing in pain because there was no other way to get him through. He just had to push him through. So yeah. it's it's well, kind of like speaking of which, I think that this is a, a good. It, it reminds me of what um, my uh, friends of mine know a rescue. Guy, I'm not quite sure what you call him, search and rescue type guy. Are you far but, away from your mic right now, TJ? Oh, I'm having oh. you're really quiet. Oh, how's this? Is this That's better? better? Okay, yeah. sorry about that. Uh, a, a mutual acquaintance of mine, 
uh, with one of my friends is a search and rescue guy. And they're a lot of times their job is to go recover a body. That's somebody has been climbing or they were hiking or whatever. And it's, this is, has to do with any job, whether it's EMT or you're working as a cop or a firefighter and all that stuff, you got to accept the fact or know before you get into these types of careers is, is it good? Is it something you're going to be able to talk about with your family at the end of the day? Because if it's not, then it's something that you got to keep in, in yourself. You kind of see that in the movie heat with Al Pacino, where he comes home after, you know, from where these guys have been brutally murdered and he just wants to sit and just decompress and process what he's seen. And his wife's giving him a hard time. He's like, I just cleaned up three bodies over, you know, Figaro and whatever, you know, I'm not in the mood for talking. Yeah. And it's the same thing with being an EMT. You're going to have to respond to, you know, uh, guys who've crashed because they were drinking or they were joyriding and these uh, wrecks. If you want to read what that, some of the descriptions um, go to Fred Reed's website, Fred on everything.com. I think he's got, he's written several columns about coming to these scenes and people deal with it in different ways. You know, they either become alcoholics or they just have a very dark sense of humor to, to cope, but they can't talk about their job. Some of the, a lot of the time because of the stuff that they have to deal with. So, whereas I can, for the most part, talk about pretty much anything that's going on in my job. Right. Yeah. Plus, it's not dinner time conversation. Oh, what does brains look like all blasted out? <laughs> well, yeah, not yeah, as messy as the other one because he yeah. didn't use a shotgun. Yeah. The people that do that kind of stuff are just, they're amazing I, people. And, you know, we should all, <laughs> we should all be really thankful that they, I mean, they deal with the, the absolute worst kind of things. That, I mean, can you imagine the people that had to go into, what uh, the school that got shot up yeah. and stuff. I mean, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. And that's the thing that I feel like doesn't get discussed a lot in the whole law enforcement debate. You know, they talk about the use of deadly force and all that. Um, we don't, Fred Reed has talked about this in his columns of, okay, this is what they have seen, or at least what I saw when I was, you know, hanging, he was a reporter and he was hanging out with the cops in, uh, in different cities. And he said, this is what they come across every day. They come across, you know, kids whose whose parents have dipped their their hands in burnt, boiling water to get them to stop crying, or they've been left in a dumpster somewhere, and you've got domestic violence, you know, disturbances that you've got to go respond to, and you deal with all this other stuff, and I, you know, that that can screw with your mind, and you can't talk about it with your family, and you're obviously not going to talk about it with your ten year old. He says, "Daddy, how you know you're not going to have a take." your kid to work day on those kind of days. You know, there's some days when nothing happens, but there's still all that stuff going on. So uh, it, it's just something to think about and be aware of when you're, when you're trying to have these conversations. You're saying they're not going to have uh, visit the morgue and have dental identification day with your son. They're not going to have that. <laughs> not gonna be a thing. There's a lot of jobs where they're just not, I mean, for practical reasons. And again, this isn't a moral thing. It's just, there are some jobs where you are not going to be able to come home at the end of the day and fully there's, you're going to have to keep a lot of stuff. Oh, we got it. We got it. Right. Right. And so be, be aware of that before you pick those careers. Just know what you're getting yourself into. The same thing with joining the military or becoming a, uh, yes, we don't, we don't have to tell, although maybe we do have to tell people that you might get shot in the military. That might Uh, happen. how many think oh it's never it's not, i'm not gonna get deployed <laughs> it's like did you read the did you read the paper that they handed to you in the recruiting yeah. office Wor- worse you might have to kill someone you don't want to that's that's another thing that <clears throat> be aware of the military so 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. Uh, to all the listeners, we have 30 people viewing right now. If you go and like the uh, like the video, that'd be great. If you'd subscribe to that'd be wonderful. And if you'd tell people about the older pro- brother podcast, that'd be great. Uh, DT, tell us about uh, your stuff real quick, where we can find you. Happynihilist.net. That's where I'm uh, writing now. I'm not podcasting yet. I may not ever, but but if you want to check uh, check me out, it's at happynihilist.net. The recent post was about uh, how humor is a response, is a necessary survival <laughs> response to how shitty life is. So that that's sort of my my take on how humor developed, that we need it to be able to face reality. So was that the uh, had the picture of the Joker on it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, I did. I did peruse there's, it. There's a lot of other science scientific studies about humor, and they're trying to figure out well, how did we evolve with humor? It seems like if you're laughing your ass off, that predators would be able to easily pick you off. Why do we have this thing called humor? And they have some kind of. I think the current science is saying, well, it's linked to intelligence. It's uh, you know, there's certain cues that might give you sexual. Um, uh, might, might make you more attractive sexually and be able to continue on the genes. But I think it's, I think it's just uh, a result of consciousness. I think once we've became self-aware and sentient and we realized uh, that we're going to die, that we needed to be able to laugh. And all those that weren't able to laugh uh, were uh, selected out of, uh, out of the species. So, Oh boy. Can you imagine, especially with Trump in office, how many of those leftists haven't had a laugh in the past year and a half? <laughs> right. Hasn't even cracked a smile. Woo! That's the thing about millennials. They, they don't know how to laugh. <laughs> oh, but they know better. They know. I don't know if you yeah. saw my r- recent article about uh, the great millennial rent scam and how they're going to transfer even more wealth to people like me than <laughs> right. they did with college degrees because rents right. are so insane right now. But... Yep, exactly. Yep. Cool. TJ, where are you at? Oh, you can go to my website, tjmartinell.com. You can also go to my podcast. I just released a new episode, soundcloud.com slash tjmartinell. I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash tjmartinell. And then also on Facebook, facebook.com slash author tjmartinell. I've also got books on Amazon, The Stringers, The Informers, and Men Who Walk Alone. Awesome. Well, too bad we didn't have uh, uh, John Steele on. I don't know if he was sick or what. Anne is chasing her uh, Alzheimer's cat to prevent it from falling from high places. And then, um, yeah, Dennis wasn't online. And then, uh, the doc was busy. He's down in, uh, Iowa. I think I told him to check out Galena, Illinois. So I hope he is listening, but yeah. That, have you guys been to Galena, Illinois? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, is that, is that, is that in a movie? Was that in like a uh, field of dreams or something? Or, uh, or was it in, um, um, the untouchables or something? Maybe. It's where President Grant used to live, okay. so it's an old river town. But it's it's really neat. So because um, he's he's down in that area, I'm like, oh, dude, you got you got to stop in just check out that town. So I got um I got they have a great hot sauce store there. Like if you want hot sauce, you can actually get hot sauce that's almost too hot for me. <laughs> and so I was very impressed with it. So. All right, well, listen, that's it. We will see you guys next week, and uh, hopefully we'll catch over uh, catch up with you guys over the week as well. All right. Sounds good. Toodles.